0: Welcome to another edition of Coffee Cast with Kaysian and Ruben, presented by Behind the Racket. Mike Cation, joined by Noah Ruben. Noah is actually, this, we're, let's, let's just put it all on the table here, behind the curtain, not just behind the racket. Uh, Noah, we're recording this on a Saturday night, um, which is a little bit early than we normally do because, not because you're going to Aptos or something along those lines, uh, you actually are taking what's called a vacation.
1: Yes. I know. What a a crazy idea it is to actually enjoy moments of my life.
0: Um, Um, Why take this right now considering we have U.S. Open qualities in just a couple weeks? That's the reason. (laughs) I mean, I can't
1: name a more overwhelming and anxiety-filled week than the U.S. Open. Uh, A tournament that has enough anxiety as an American and then as a New Yorker. I am playing, and my third grade teacher is right around the corner, and everybody I've ever met in my entire life. It is exhausting to say the least, and I need a vacation before and after. Um, but that's why I'm taking it. You know, mentally, there's been a lot of stuff off the court I've been working with, which is all positive, and on the court working hard as well. And just the combination has got me to a point where I need you know a few day hiatus before I really put in you know a good two week training
0: block before the Open. Well, the Coffee Cast is brought to you by New Balance. Vintage and clean looks are coming to New York. Visit NewBalance.com to see the latest kits for the U.S. Open. I'm actually pretty excited. Uh, I, I believe I might be actually getting some new New Balance stuff uh, come open time as well. I heard you might be on a poster.
1: Is, is that a rumor? Oh, or is no, that...
0: it's actually, uh, it's not just a poster. I'm, you know how in New York they have just uh, entire buildings? Uh, yeah, i yeah, 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 with the advertisement right on the whole building. Yeah,
1: right that. And it's going to be you nude with all the clothes on the floor. You're
0: the worst Welcome, guys. Uh, Welcome. That's an image (laughs) that I'm sure all of you would want at home right now. Um, But we'll we'll try to move past that as much as we can right now. Uh, Let's take you back through the week. Um, Washington, obviously, dominating the headlines for a lot of people. Uh, As I said, we're recording this on Saturday night. Curios Tsitsipas just wrapped up. It was a crazy match. Nick Kyrgios uh, always seems to have some sort of entertainment. He's been asking people where to serve on Match Points this week. (laughs) Uh, Today, at one point, he asks, why is he playing? Jim Courier's on the broadcast and saying, why are you playing? Because of all these fans, you need to do something. (laughs) We haven't actually ever just really hit home on how we feel about Nick Um, in terms of just this entertainment aspect versus the tennis purity aspect, if you will. And I don't want to dwell on it because I think that's something we're going to talk about later uh, in this podcast. But your thoughts on Nick this week? Um, He's into the final.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a line and he just wavers right on top of that line. And, you know, sometimes you're like, Nick, like you don't need to be screaming out why are you playing tennis? There's moments where the, that's just not beneficial for anybody. I don't, think, I don't think that does anybody any good, but the whole asking somebody where to serve a match point and running back and hugging them, why not? Why right. not get the people involved? Why not have that? But then again, you go back to a point where, you know, it's almost this uncomfortable feeling where you're like, wait, maybe he's not super comfortable in his own skin, and that's why he does some of the other things. But again, that stuff when he brings the crowd into it and everybody loves him, and we have to see more of that. I don't know why we wouldn't. But, you know, to Jim Courier's point, you can't be saying that kind of stuff. That's not improving the game. That's not getting anybody excited. That's just a way to get bashed down, which he's had. And I know he has a big spotlight on him, but he's just going to have to work it a bit better. Because if he just tames it down just a couple inches, I mean, he could be one of the most loved tennis players on tour.
0: Why should he be forced to tame it down?
1: Well, that's he, – he shouldn't, you know. and There's no reason why unless, you know – if we're talking about the bigger picture, in my head, I just see so much potential for what he can do for the sport. And I totally understand that that's not his place. He doesn't owe anybody anything. He's playing the game he wants. That's fine. I just see what could be, and that's what I hope. And that's just a dream because of how talented and how much fun he can be. I just want to see it. Of course, he doesn't owe anybody anything, though.
0: I, of course, am much older than you, um, but I was inspired to play tennis by John McEnroe. As much mm-hmm. as I've dogged him over the last couple of years, now from a commentator's perspective, he was the one, because of his attitude and what he did in terms of the antics, who brought me to the sport. Um, and, and there's no doubt in my mind that he is continuing to... Nick Kyrgios now is the one who's also bringing some people into the sport just because of the fact that he's a little bit different. He, um, the, the 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 Fortnite aspect of things and the more entertainment aspect of, of things, he is the, the one that I think is the most... Um, I I think he's the biggest pusher right now in terms of the young male players of new fans to the sport.
1: He's doing a lot of things right, whether it's, you know, the cross-contamination aspect of getting the Kyrie Irving shoes and all of this and just combining different fields. You know, without even knowing it, he's doing a lot of things right. And, you know, I applaud him on that. Again, I have hopes for just a little bit more. But we can't get greedy. Um, We get what we get, and you know if if that includes aspects where we're like Nick, come on, like what are you doing? Then that's fine. That's fine. That's what we're gonna. You know, we have to take you know some bad with it. But I have to thank him for a lot that he does for the sport right now.
0: Uh, In Lexington, Yannick Sinner versus Alex Bolt. Again, you'll know the result by the time you hear this. But I I have to say, uh, Sinner is Sinner's legit. Um, Having now watched him over two weeks, he's legit. He's really good.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't know how big he was going to be. You know, he still looks kiddish in yes. a way. He, yes. You know, he looks young, and there's a lot to be developed there, which is great news for him, but he's a, he's a hell of a ball striker. Um, You know, I don't see why he couldn't be up there, and, you know, if this is one of the advancements, this could be it. I mean, this could be a title into uh, God knows what. I mean, we've seen it before, but, again, I know it well, too. There's a long road ahead. You know, I got to 150 quick. Uh there's a lot to be said for that and he's and several inches he taller makes, than
0: you. Like I wouldn't say that. Like maybe I, a foot.
1: I, I was once 5'10" on the ATP app. I just want <laughs> you to know that. <laughs> it was it was an extraordinary day to say the least and I forgot who did it somebody messaged and like, "Oh, don't worry, no, I got a fix for you." I'm like, "Why would you do that?" <laughs> Why would you ever? But no, I mean, like, no. The kid has a lot going for him. Um, I think just a little bit stronger, and and I think you know, pretty good mental game too. You know what
0: I've seen. Last week's guest, Martin Redlicky, his first challenger title uh, this evening with Diego Hidalgo winning doubles over Jackson Withrow and Roberto Mateen, six-two, six-two. Um, I I talked to Marty afterwards, and he's like, "Can you believe I just won a challenger title?" I'm like, "Yes." Everybody knows you're talented. Of course you can win challenger titles. Oh, he's, he, yes. he is really good.
1: He is. He's a talented guy. And I mean, if n- nobody knows his credentials, I mean, here's somebody who's won NCAA twice and a junior grand slam in doubles. I mean, he knows what he's doing on the doubles court. He's a big guy. Hits the ball well. Serves well. Volleys well. Martin this won't be your last one okay just deal with it
0: (laughs) and our friend Jamie Loeb uh, was in the doubles final and the loss came up uh, short in a match tie break tonight Um, but wanted to mention that just because Jamie Loeb is going to be appearing on a podcast a little bit later this week we'll probably release that episode on Wednesday we recorded it this morning Um, really interesting to hear her talk about some of the differences between life at the challenger level on the ATP side versus on the WTA slash ITF side and that's a big difference Um, so so look for that episode to be released on Wednesday. Now both you, Jamie Loeb and Martin Redlicke, uh made a transition in your career from college to pros as opposed to say Yannick Sinner and Alex Bolt who were in the finals in Lexington, who went the route just straight from juniors into the pros. And that's what we're talking about today is just that jump, that first um, decision when you are officially a professional, you give up your amateur status, you're able to accept the prize money for yourself as opposed to into some prize pool (laughs) that you can only use to travel. Um, So what are some of the biggest questions To ask um, maybe an 18-year-old, or in your case, you were, what, 19, I think, when you officially turned pro. Is that right? Or just about to turn 19?
1: Yeah, I want to say 19, yeah.
0: Well, what are some of the big questions um, that athletes need to ask themselves about when and why they should turn pro?
1: It's really difficult. I mean, you're looking at it from so many different angles. Um, You start off simple. You start off physically and mentally. You know, am I... I'm a mature enough person to navigate the life on tour, possibly alone without a team. And also, is my body fit and ready to go against professional tennis players? And if you start there and you know and you say no to one of those questions, college is a great way to really find out who you can become. I'm not saying it's the last step, but it's a good stepping stone to having a team atmosphere, to organize lifts, to organize practices, to get yourself in a position where you're taking that first jump to some of your better tennis. And I think it's super important for a lot of players. Now, with that being said, I think we have to, you know, there's, there's these questions that I'm now thinking two, three years out of school. Um, And I know I only went to a year of school, but I still look back at it and I go back and forth all the time. And and I first say, you know what, maybe I didn't need that year of schooling. Maybe it was probably beneficial for me to take the contracts after I won Junior Wimbledon and Kalamazoo and see where I could have gone with that. You know, I I had a lot of momentum. I was excited to play um, and I was in the public eye. And then other sides of me say that, you know what, maybe I should have played. Another three years graduated because, you know, longevity in the sport is so tough to have. And it's so important to have that excitement throughout. And now the best players in the world are 30, 31, 32. So you have many years. You don't need to rush into the pros. And, you know, these are some of the first couple questions that come to mind.
0: What were the hardest aspects of your initial six months? I went back um, and actually I'm looking at Tennis Abstract right now. You turned pro. Uh, right after your freshman year at Wake Forest, and actually did pretty well out of the gates, uh, reaching a final um, and a semifinal in back-to-back weeks at the end of June 2015. Before starting to take some bigger shots, you were at a wild card in Newport, you were a wild card in Binghamton. Um, what were the biggest aspects, the biggest adjustments you had to make that first few months right after leaving Wake Forest?
1: Um you know i'm going to preface this if you do fairly well before you leave to go from college to pros you still have that excitement so you still have this i'm ready to go i did great in school so that honestly that first 5 months and plus i did well enough if i'm not mistaken that's where i got the australian open wild card mm-hmm. so i did well it it comes after that i guess we could call it the honeymoon phase of tennis where you know, maybe the excitement dies down just a tad, where you start to rationalize and say, "Okay, there's some tough aspects here," and then injuries set in, and and that speeds up the process. But then you're looking at it, and you're like, "Okay, I really, you know, I'm not quite as excited when I first started, but I don't have a team near me. I don't have, you know, everything at my beck and call. I don't have all the equipment. I don't have, you know, the food. I don't have the easy setup. I don't have the travel." And then then it starts weighing on you. And then you're like, wait, am I ready to really take on the intangibles of tennis? Am I prepared to face, you know, everybody I face is a competitor of mine rather than having these comfortable faces of my team of, of uh, college tennis. And I think it's like the ins and outs that really make it difficult. This is all the stuff we talk about all the time. It's not always this large picture. It's the small things that eat away at you that you didn't even have to think about during college tennis. And you know, maybe that just tells myself or other people I've done it that I wasn't ready for it, but there's nothing you can do after the fact.
0: Do you have any idea what your winning percentage, give or take, was um, in juniors or in college versus what your winning percentage was the first year you turned pro?
1: I mean, college, I didn't really play um, a fall schedule, but during the spring, I might have lost two, three matches, I believe, counting the finals of NCAs. Yeah. Um, you take that into consideration. I think somehow I managed to lose three times the first week on tour. Okay. Um, that's just how it feels. And it's hard, you know, you, it's all on you, which I've always wanted. And that's why I started playing tennis, but it, it is truly all on you. You don't lose as a team. You don't win as a team. You're out there. You take that loss. You move on to the next week. And you know, you're a young kid. You're, you're starting, you know, you, you mended yourself, you know, to getting back to the junior days but it's amplified now because I was still successful, highly successful as a junior, that I wasn't losing too often. And now, you know, you go back to this individual day of of juniors, but heighten it to the point of, you know, I'm I'm losing first rounds, I'm losing second rounds, and it's consistent and it's constant and it's just knocking at my door. And I'm like, can I fight this? Do I? I'm 19. I, I you know, I God willing, I have six, 16 more years of this you know, maybe I should have waited until I was 21. Why did, you know, why did I rush it? And these are all the thoughts that come into my head. But again, I was, you know, in school, I was ready to go, raring to go, thought I got whatever I could out of college at the time and was watching other players do well. And I was just so excited to get out there.
0: Who from your, your age group was out there doing well that you, you felt you were um, a peer with?
1: You know, I remember watching the Tiafos, Kozlov. uh I want to say Tiafo might have... Oh, God. I'm blanking on the guy who got the wild card to the French that year. I think it was possibly Tiafos um, at the time. But I just remember watching these guys, people that I am, you know, taking down, beating weeks before, a year before. And they're making strides inside the top 300, inside the top 200. And here I am, and I'm like am i wasting my time is is my body there is my talent there to get me to a point where i can play professional tennis you know all these questions come into mind where you're like god i'm just winning these you know college matches what is that doing for me you know hindsight is twenty twenty, and i look back and i'm like i was developing my game you know you can make it within a year of tennis you don't need that much time so even if i was 21 i could have been top hundred you know you, you always think about these things but you know, these are the problems that you don't have too much of a voice telling you what's right and wrong. And, you know, you have a lot of people looking out for their own interests. So I needed a little more guidance, which, you know, people around me tried to do to the best of their ability. But I don't know if they knew as well as, you know, it was just impossible for them to know.
0: It was indeed, Francis. He went quarterfinal, semifinal, final in the 3 weeks: Sarasota, Savannah, and Tallahassee um okay. that particular year and that he had not won a single challenge he had not even been in a challenger uh up until sarasota qualified beating ryan williams i remember that match actually vividly uh because there was this just crazy young man with incredible energy um, and ryan williams was livid as you can imagine <laughs> with ryan williams i remember that vividly in just a crazy couple of weeks um with with francis that week I what eighteen year olds or seventeen year olds have you seen over the last couple of years that you think have been mentally prepared to handle the rigors on tour, if any?
1: And I don't wanna take anything away from the players that have make it, like a Felix or Shop of Olive, or any of these guys that have made it at a young age, but I wanna give tremendous credit to the team around them.
0: Hmm.
1: And and I think that's what a lot of people lack. And the reason that I went to school was I was feeling complacent in the system that I was in. I was there for so long in New York that I felt like I had to get out. Um, I wanted, you know, just try to get new voices and, and new opinions. But with that being said, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have the financials. Um, I didn't know if I felt like I had the really the right team around me to go pro yet. And... The people that have made it, the Felix, like the people I've named already, again, they might be extremely mature, ready for the tour, physically ready, and they are, but again, I think this is, you know, a testament to the team around them, Mm -hmm. making sure they almost have that college aspect of we're going to be here to help you through the way, and I don't think everybody has that opportunity, and and it's really an incredible feeling to know that you have two, three, four people that have your back.
0: So, In thinking about some of the differences, I think of, um, this is going to sound kind of odd, but the idea on on the women's side specifically, you often hear about how involved parents are as they're grooming some of these teenagers, Um, and and that doesn't seem to be often the case on the men's side, um, that maybe the parents are not there involved as much. And I wonder how much of of an effect that actually has. I I, I think when you mentioned shop of olive, and that's why it popped in my head. Mom obviously so strong in in her uh, concern and help for Dennis specifically, and and why is there that difference?
1: You know, my father's had a major impact on my career, taught me how to play tennis. Um, but with that being said, I think and it's great, and I will always have him around. But I think you need a non you know, parent voice around you, something that's going to be a little more objective. I think no matter what, hopefully, hopefully you have the situation where your parent just loves you so much that that may cloud some judgment at times and, you know, skew the interpretation of things. But I think it's super important to have, you know, that, parental feeling and that care and that absolute love that they will give anything for you, but also have that coach and possibly that physio.
0: Yeah, but the thing is though, Noah, I mean it's one thing, I, I agree with you especially as you get older, but if we're talking about the, the kids who are 17, 18, and who do have a, a wealth of talent that they can make an impact, me think about Yannick Sinner when we're talking about him here this week in Lexington. The idea of parents being involved at that age uh, on the on the women's side is really not a question. It is a question on the men's side. And I wonder if that has something to do with the idea of masculinity. Um, Whereas on the women's side, to have a parent there for those transitory years from 17 to say 20 is not a question.
1: I think... You could be on to something because I've seen at times where during those transition years, they're without their parents. And then, you know, once they're starting to make their way through it, you see their parents showing up a little more, helping out a little more. Um, I honestly, and this is the first time I probably answered, I don't know what it is. Mm. I don't really have an answer to what it can be. Um, I think guys at times will feel that they have everything under control and maybe they push away their parents and, you know, I've done it before and sorry to whoever I've done it and I've come back to people. I've, I've, you know, you know, swallowed my pride and say, you know what? I was wrong. I would enjoy, you know, having you by my side again. Can you help me? And, you know, I don't want to, you know, say, you know, it's gender related, but, you know, I tend to see it more in men as well. Um, again, it could be a masculinity thing where, I got it under control. Don't worry about it. But then you you know, in your future, you're like, wow, I think I really needed them. And now that I'm, you know, making new advancements and trying to push through, it would be nice to have them by my side.
0: Well, you're looking at Roger Federer right now doing things um, at, at such a crazy age um, compared to what it used to be, say, 15, 20 years ago. It must seem to you just this amazing thing. Also, such a, like I said, so unusual to see somebody at that age playing so well. And I'm wondering how you actually would say something to an 18-year-old about, yeah, playing 20 years on tour nowadays.
1: Yeah, one, it's pretty annoying what is doing. <laughs> Can I just say that? I mean, I mean watching that guy hold trophies. I mean, it must be the foundation of his house at this point. But I, I talked to, you know, an abundance of young kids, 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds that are coming up to me, and I'm sure I had the same mentality. You know, the parents are asking me, yo, what's your best piece of advice? You know, what can you say to my child? You know, he's having problems winning matches here and there. And I'm like, besides some of the really amazing moments I had, I don't remember all the matches I played. And if I did, they were so irrelevant. And do you know how many players I look or you know now making waves in pros like true, like 150, 100, that weren't great juniors? There is so much time in a tennis player's career but people don't see that big picture. And they might say they do like I did, but I didn't even know what that meant. I mean, I'm on tour, let's say three, four years, you know, obviously I had some injuries, but that four years seems like 10 years. And God willing, I could play another 13 years on tour. Everything I could, you know, I, you know, I did before this point could be irrelevant and nobody would remember that. And let's say I make top 10 in the world Nobody would remember what happened before this. They're like, okay, you know, he's having a great career now. I don't think people see this idea that you can do whatever you want, just progress as a person, as a player, get to that point. And, you know, I think it's really easy. I, this is this to come out, you know, interesting. I think it's, you know, really easy at times for Federer. I mean, here's a guy that at the end of the week, if it's a bad week, he probably lost in the semis. You know, he probably had three wins under his belt. And I'm sure that gets old. And I'm sure that somehow his mentality switches to that truly is a bad week and I understand that. But it's it's easy to continue when you're winning. Mm. It really is. I mean, you know, even when I'm exhausted at times, you know, whether it's training, a tournament, and I'm I was winning in the past week or so, I can step on that court. I'm a success, you know. I, I'm I feel good, my mentality's good, the people around me are talking good things about me. It's easy, but if you're an average player like the rest of us, and you're at you know 500 um, percentage win percentage breaking even, then it's like, you know this is a, this is a tough way through. Um, so I, I, I encourage people to understand that what you think 20 years is long, it's much longer than you think. So tell your 14 year old to relax a little bit, you know, just have fun, hit a few more tennis balls, and not worry about the results because again, they don't matter that much. <laughs>
0: Well, you seem to be having some fun this week, um, getting the opportunity to play the world team tennis, as we talked about last week on the podcast. Um, wh- what were those couple of days like? I know you guys didn't get into the playoffs. It was kind of one of those last minute pushes, and that's why they signed to Noah Rubin, obviously. Um, but wh- what was yeah, the exp- shot the dark? <laughs> what was the experience <laughs> like for you, and uh, especially considering you've been pushing so hard over the last couple of weeks and months about talking about teams in the sport of tennis I-
1: I've tried to harp on this so often Um, and now that I've you know was a part of it I was so happy to be a part of it so I can speak on the topic a little bit more and you know I posted that uh, Instagram picture and I really meant every word I mean this is what tennis was missing Um, I'm getting back to the days a little bit of that college atmosphere of where you know you had a guaranteed paycheck where you're playing for a team people are getting involved I have my name on the back of the shirt I'm really into it and and it's super exciting and it's a short format. So the intensity of tennis is heightened to the max where you're not letting up a single point. And these are the things that I I felt this love for the game again. Even with all the pressures and playing some subpar tennis, Mm. I felt this love that I was like, wow, this is exciting. Everybody's into it. I can see how an eight-year-old kid, which we signed autographs, you know, this is a great thing. You, that's both teams, win or loss, sat, sat down and signed all the kids' autographs. They come up to the table. I mean, we're getting people involved. There's drinks. There's people going nuts. DJs. I mean, this is what we need. And I think this is how you produce on, like that's, I could see myself playing another 10 years like that. Mm. That's how I see it. That's how I see longevity. It's not, no offense, it's not playing, the Binghamton Lexington schedule, if I was 10 years, which, you know, players, we've seen it. I mean, Sugita, he won it. I mean, how many times has he been in that position? It, yeah. it's, it's a really tough thing and it takes incredible mental strength to be a top player and go back or just be around that level for 10 years because minimal perks. Yes. There are truly some minimal perks and World Team Tennis, you know what? It makes me feel important and I've said it before there's a truly irrelevant factor in the world of tennis where you get lost to the sidelines if you're not that next sixteen year old kid. Right. And I felt it when I was in world team tennis, and I'm sure players ranked below me. I mean, you have a guy like Evan Song who's ranked, um, you know, what what is he ranked? Three fifty-ish. Right Three fifty, and we're talking about Evan Song because he's playing amazing tennis at world team tennis, yeah. which is great, and I'm happy for him. And now he has you know this little beam of energy and. This is what we need, and not to turn down the ATP, but like, you know, when they say, "Oh, we're doing stuff like the ATP Cup," it's not enough. You know, you're getting the top guys in the country. That's that's not what we're looking for. We need, we need to get the outside guys. We need to get the doubles guys. We need to get everybody involved in one team. And, you know, it's a good push to have that team competition. It's nice to see, but I think we're missing some aspects there.
0: I much love to Neil Skupsky, by the way, for winning MVP.
1: Nice little carrot diamond, I think, he received as a reward, really? But, yeah, they got a little, like, just a diamond and how bad I wanted that. But, <laughs> um, no, he's always, I think, a crowd favorite in World Team Tennis. So, uh, I think everybody likes seeing him out there.
0: Yeah, I talked to him on, on the podcast, the previous incarnation of this podcast, when we were at the Australian Open. And he just raved about the, uh, what World Team Tennis meant to him. Um, and how much he cared about it, how passionate. And this is a guy who's just started a new partnership with Jamie Murray. I mean, building you know potentially towards Grand Slam titles. Slams. But he's this is something that he was so passionate about because he loved that team atmosphere. A guy who played uh, college tennis at LSU.
1: Again, you're changing this irrelevant feeling to you know what? Maybe I'm kind of important. Maybe I'm good. Maybe people want to watch me play. And I'm kind of getting taken care of. And I know that sounds, I don't know, so posh and and all this, but it's true. Like, you know, I've worked really hard and I'm not saying I'm entitled to anything or, you know, that I deserve it. But, you know, to be where I am you know it's it's nice to feel it's nice to see and and i really appreciate everybody that's put together and obviously you know shout out to Billie jean king that's worked hard to keep this going through years where it's technically been unsuccessful and i think they're really doing a great job marketing like you said there's a new marketing team and you know i'm really excited to see where it can go and i know we can make some true pushes to have this as a constant more um spread out system i think in the future
0: well, obviously, the week ahead, uh, most much of the focus of the tennis world will be on. Will r- be in the Bahamas. <laughs> I said the tennis I world. Will sh- you are not part <laughs> of the tennis world this week, and that's okay.
1: You don't want Snapchats of me in the lazy river.
0: I don't want to. I don't ever actually want Snapchats from you, frankly. Um, okay. Mostly because okay. the ones I've gotten are incredibly inappropriate. Um, but uh, most of the focus will be at the Rogers cup this week, as it should be Uh, obviously a huge event up in Canada, Toronto and Montreal Um, aptos on the USTA pro circuit for the men Landisville for the women. Um, It's also important to point out at this challenger level, the USTA pro circuit us open wildcard challenge will be coming to a close as well. I'm sorry, Noah, you will not be winning. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I I, I I did check the standings today before I came over, and you. Was I
1: closer to winning this wild card or getting MVP in World Team Tennis? Wow,
0: that's actually a tough question to answer. <laughs> um, but yeah. And also,
1: I want to tell everybody that's listening that when you say something super uncomfortable, when you can't hear my rebuttal, it's because I'm speechless. Yeah. Even to this day, <laughs> after all the years we spent together in hours, I, you still find a way.
0: To make me speechless. I'm glad I can do that. Um, yes. Well, but yeah, please. please make sure you're watching in Aptos and Landisville. Just keeping an eye on There's, There's going to be a lot of drama with the Americans who are going to be playing in that event. Um, with a lot on the line, you think about that paycheck for a U.S. Open wildcard. That's a really big deal. So just keep an eye on it. I, I want to make sure I point out I won't be there in Aptos. This will be the first time I'm not in Aptos since 2014. Um, but it's my daughter's birthday and I want to be there and that's kind of important to me. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. I, I, I have to get a, like a big birthday present. I, I need a, you have any ideas for a five-year-old?
1: I mean, you know, I've seen a lot of videos and they work really hard. They get this big box. It's covered in things and has yeah. everything inside. They enjoy the box at the end.
0: True story. So I'm saying yeah, right now in my living room, even though I've been on the road for 2 weeks, there's a box fort that I just left up.
1: I'm telling you, skip all the money or at least have the, you know, the receipts. Yeah. Just, just get a box and like cut a window in it. I'm telling you, you play
0: make believe, they'll be just as happy. All right. I, I think we'll do that, but I I actually <laughs> I want to make sure I, I, I say I thank you to uh, Amanda Pruitt, who is the longtime sports information person at Tennessee. Um, I, I know a lot of people on tennis Twitter know who she is. Um, she's actually doing a sketch, like a, a, a drawing um, of my daughter as Super Marnie. And I'm really excited about it. I don't know if it's going to be oh, there for really her cute. birthday, but I think <laughs> that's going to be a pretty cool idea. So. Um, but, yeah, I won't be in Aptos. Make sure you're watching in Aptos, Landisville. And um, next week we've got actually a pretty big announcement to make as well.
1: I'm, I'm excited. I think people would be ready for it. And, uh, you know,
0: it should be good. And that's all we can say for now. But that does it for another edition of the Coffee Cast with Cation and Ruben powered by Behind the Racket. As always, you can find him at NoahRuben33 and at me at MikeCTennis. Until next week, see you later.